DLC. Yeah! When that robot voice crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Woo! Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Maybe you're enjoying your Labor Day weekend like we are. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you. They are awesome. They support the show. They make the show possible. And in return, they get some cool stuff, including ad-free episodes, video versions of the show, although not this week, and an entire bonus show we call the Paid DLC Program. It features uh, us and uh, our special guest, Lana Bashinsky, every single week, breaking it down, talking about whatever nonsense fills our head at that moment. It's usually a lot of fun, includes some laughs, and maybe even some scatological uh, stories, if you're lucky. Who knows? But you can join the group of people that get to listen to that show and that make sure this show stays possible by joining up at patreon.com slash DLCpod. DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who is trying to out-vacation me, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Yes, hello, Jeff. Hello, listeners. We are both on different microphones than normal. So if we sound different, that is why we are Labor Daying it up. But, dear listeners, the good news is because it is Labor Day, the chance of any major breaking news coming out after this episode gets posted is almost non-existent. Like this is these, – these are the rare Mondays, dear listeners, where yeah. we won't click publish and then Sony will be like, by the way, God of War Ragnarok plus God of War Ragnaroks. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know what might happen. Uh, we do have that jinx on us, but – it is true. Christian and I are both away from our homes trying to squeeze out the last bit of vacation before uh, the official end of summer. And uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm currently sitting in a very beautiful Airbnb in Breckenridge, Colorado, uh, celebrating my son's sixth birthday, which happens tomorrow. We had a little special getaway at the last minute. My mom was in town, so we decided to uh, to to rent an Airbnb at the last minute and go up to Breckenridge. We had a lovely day out uh, on the mountain in the summer. It was is gorgeous here. Uh, but it probably means I sound weird. That's because incredible I'm, though. I'm, ha- I'm at a gorgeous Airbnb outside Denver. The house has a movie theater. Um, a, a oh, Tesla I wish. I wish you were paying me to stay at my house. <laughs> I need that cash for to pay off this Airbnb. Uh, but I'm currently surrounded by pillows trying to dampen the sound in any way. My, my family is downstairs trying to go to sleep. Um, so, you know, these are the things we do because you know why we don't ever skip a show, right? Christian, we never skip. 
No, we just release shows where the audio quality is bad, so listeners skip them, but we yes, don't skip yes. the show. We, we need this more than you, <laughs> listeners. We need this more than you. Uh, do you want to share where you are right now, or are you keeping it a, a well-guarded no, no, no. secret? No, no, I am in Cambria, California, which is equidistance between LA and San Francisco with uh, my in-law, brother and sister-in-law and their kids, and we are so like that beautiful mid-coast near uh, Morro Bay, if you're kind of familiar with that mid-coast part of California, where it is still hot but not as hot in LA. I think it's 110 today. And too much. Here That's it too, is, many. Uh, too many like numbers. 85, which is very hot for this area. So while you are surrounded by pillows, I am in a house that, of course, doesn't have air conditioning. So I have the door open and you might hear harbor seals at some point. But otherwise, I would melt into a puddle <laughs> of goo. So You're sharing your Airbnb with harbor seals? I mean, they're just outside, Jeff. They're just wow. outside. And Beautiful. how dare you talk about my in-laws that way? <laughs> <laughs> hey, another reason we would never dream of skipping this episode is because we have an awesome guest, one that has been too long since he's been on, uh, one I'm very excited to talk about. You know that, or talk to, you know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Christian, your downloadable Kanata. But this week, I am so excited because DLC stands for Designing Electric Circus. Because from Zen Studios, we have creative director and writer from Operencia and the soon-to-be-released Circus Electrique. It's our friend, Chris Baker, back with us. Hey, Chris. Thanks for uh, welcoming me here, Jeff. I feel very welcome. And uh, yeah, it's it's always a... I, I was waiting with bated breath to see what my DLC was, and you did not disappoint. Uh, it's a little apostrophe. There's a little apostrophe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had a feeling circus might be the C, but I was like, how, <laughs> how are going to do that? Downloadable Chris is right there. Like, right I mean, there. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Not when I, yeah. I can work in electric. Yeah. Uh, and the reason is is because uh, you are on the verge of uh, launching a new game. You uh, as writer and, and uh, Zen Studios as publisher. Um, and... I am technically under embargo about this game, so I don't know how much I could talk about, but I can ask you about uh, Circus Electrique, which is yes. uh, very cool. That game launches very, very soon, right? Yes, it launches on Tuesday, the 6th, so uh, tomorrow, so when, I guess. you're listening to this, you may be able to purchase it. Yes, indeed. Um, and is it, is it, is it, am I, uh, would it be fair to call it a Darkest Dungeon-like it would be fair to call it that, I would say. Um, basically, it all came about from, you know, a lot of the guys who worked on Operencia and some of our other games uh, since then, like uh, Dreadnautical and Castlestorm 2, you know, really like RPGs at Zen Studios. Uh, you know, we're known for our pinball, though, but yes. you know, this whole, like, half of our studio <laughs> that does other things. Um, and, you know, we were, like, wondering, like, you know, we want to make another RPG. We'd like to kind of mix it up a bit. And a lot of guys on our team really like Darkest Dungeon. And also Erratus, Lord of the Dead, was a big inspiration as well. Um, and we want to make a game like that, but not like a copycat. We wanted to give it our own kind of sense of flavor and, you know, have it be very distinct. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one thing we did was, uh, you know, what's like a setting we could have? Um, and Steampunk was something the team came up with. And so like, yeah, we really like Steampunk. That makes us different than, you know, a dark dungeon and <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, so, so yeah, they, the team just kind of got to researching that uh, kind of era that steampunk is, even though it's not a real thing. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, so like, you know, kind of turn of the century uh, Victorian times. And, you know, they started something upon these like circus posters that were really yeah. cool. And, you know, there was a lot of kind of electricity in there as well. Uh, so they were like, you know, our team was like, um, you know, what if we took like the circus aspect, combined it with the steampunk? And, you know, then we not only have like our own kind of distinct kind of look and feel, but we're also we're not knights and dragons and mages. We're we're clowns and strongmen and fire blowers and knife throwers, yeah. you know. Uh, so it it kind of it's almost X-Men-esque in a way, like everybody has their own little kind of right. power in that regard. Yeah. Um but yeah, you know, it, it has very similar kind of, you know, going through the city node by node kind of thing that you'll find in, in a game like Darkest Dungeon or Erratus. But um, we also have things like uh, setting up circus shows. Yeah. It's like its own kind of tycoon element sort of thing. Um, yeah, you, you described the setting uh, well, uh, but you, I think you're kind of underplaying it because the, okay. the, the steampunk circus setting is freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean... I, truly, like you're you're right in that nobody else is really doing that uh, not that I know of, and it is so distinct and so cool and so offbeat and and you know when I started it up, I I really wasn't aware of the steampunk thing. I knew it was a circus game because circus is right there in the title. Sure. But um, it, I mean, it's like if Nikola Tesla started uh-huh. a circus. It's like it's yeah. so cool and there's you know little automaton bad guys and uh everything is um it, it really it leans into that steampunk setting in a really really cool way, but it's you know yeah, it's like that yeah, turn of the century kind of uh, you're talking about circus posters and you get to build your own circuses and you get to cobble together the you know you're trying to um formulate the the best opening act and and middle act and closing act and all that stuff it it really i think makes the most of a very unique theme that was that's where you're going for and uh i think it means more that you said that than me saying that but (laughs) we have to edit this part of the podcast out to say that yet technically (laughs) we, we we gave out a press demo that was through the first uh boss in the game so that's I, what you've said fits within those parameters, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't. I just. <laughs> I haven't said if I like the game or not. I just said that right, I uh, right, noticed right. the theme is very interesting and unique. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and above and beyond all that, you know, we also wanted to, uh, a couple of things. You know, we wanted to make a game that wasn't quite as punishing as those other games are. Mm. It's still pretty tough in places, and and you're probably going to die a few times. But you know, um, we want to make it more accessible. We also wanted to have more of kind of like a traditional RPG type story. Um, you know, it's almost JRPG-ish and it's, you know, one person on one side, one person on the other yeah. side talking to each other uh, with some pretty cool cutscenes uh, yes. in, in the middle here and there. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, we're super excited to see what everybody thinks on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I think uh, listeners to the show, uh, I, I hope people check this out because um, it's one that might fly under some people's radar, and, and it should not. I mean, it, visually, it is really interesting and different. I love the uh, I love the visuals on the on the game. Um, it really, I think, it pops in a number of ways. the The combination of two D art and three D art is is really well done, and the voice acting is excellent. Uh, I know Great. that you were a writer on it, and I think. Um, Oh God, there was a word that I, I wanted to remember to tell you that I was very impressed. Even in the first few minutes, somebody okay. says something like f- flamboozle or something like that. I was uh, like, Kerwallop yeah. perhaps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. 
I was like, oh, uh, Chris is having fun with this one. Yeah, I actually found a dictionary from it was written in like 1910. Our game takes place in 1899 specifically. Uh, the the dictionary is called uh, Passing English of the Victorian Era, I think it was called. And it had a bunch of just like phrases and stuff like idioms and, and uh, things that you wouldn't necessarily hear today. And I tried to use ones that you would know what they mean by hearing them. There's stuff right. that I could use and you just wouldn't know it, but uh, what it even means. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I threw in a phrase like, uh, they'll fight like old boots for you. No one's going <laughs> to yes, say that yes. today, but you know what it means. So great. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, that's like a phrase that came out of that book. So it was it was fun to research uh, all this stuff. It was it was a lot of a lot of fun to do that. Yeah, lots of flavor, lots of flavor. play with history here and there. Yeah, it's, it's uh, it, it's a really and I you know I love Darkest Dungeon, but I did find it um a little bit too punishing for me. I, I got to a point where I was just like, man, this game's just beating me down. And yeah. um, I, I you know I'm not allowed to say what I think, but uh, I think fans of that game uh will will find a lot to like with uh, Circus Electric and um. You know, it's still got that 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 mix of being able to attack physically with your bad guys, or attack them sort of mentally, and figuring out you know which is the best strategy to employ right. with different different attacks and stuff. And it's all about and, like getting your there's 15 different character types, uh, you know, getting them in their proper slot because it depends on where their position. Yeah. Each of the four positions uh, totally alters your strategy, and you can move people around and mess people up, and they can do the same to you. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot going into it, but I think it's also, I think it's also something that if you just like RPGs, you'll be able to pick up pretty quickly. Yeah, and Operencia was one of my our favorite RPGs of the year. The year it came out, um, I loved the fact that I got to replay it in VR. You guys put it out in yeah. VR as well. It was awesome. That game is is I, I think uh, way too overlooked by too many people. But I love I that Zen <laughs> Studios, who is <laughs> you agree. I love that Zen Studios, as you said, known for great pinball games. And I'm a Christian, huge fan of your pinball games. Um, is, is, you know, I think I'm hoping that with, with uh, these releases that you guys uh, get a name for yourselves in uh, another arena as well. Yeah, I hope so too. You know, um, we, we've, we've got some, some big backing now. We're, we're part of uh, Saber, which is part of uh, Embracer as well. Uh, so we've got a little more marketing muscle than we used to have. So we're hoping that can help things too, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, we're just super excited for the, for everybody to experience it on Tuesday. Yeah. Check it out. Circus electric. All right. You can go Wednesday or Thursday, you know, if if you want to wait a day, that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) yeah. Don't don't you have to be super eager. I listened to this episode on Thursday and it's already (laughs) past Tuesday. (laughs) All right. Let's jump in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It's also where you can send us comments or questions, anything you'd like us to know. We love hearing from you, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. There are also a couple of communities that we'd love for you to join. Great place to talk about the show, talk about video games in general, and all sorts of other topics. We have a Discord at 5x5DLC on Discord, and also a subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com. Great folks hanging out in both places, so uh, check them out. 
But Chris, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Yeah, you know, uh, I was looking around at just the headlines and stuff, and one particularly stood out to me as being just very fun and relevant to my interest because I'm kind of, I'm kind of a game collector, I'm not like super serious about it, but uh, someone is selling nearly every console ever made for one million dollars. And you too can buy it, dear listener. Yes. A, a, cool, a cool million. Uh, yeah, this is an amazing, uh, an amazing collection. Uh, Kotaku uh, wrote this up. Evidently, it is uh, for sale on uh, a version of eBay um, uh, for a million dollars. And it literally has boxed copies. This isn't just like loose plastic, man. This is a serious collector who has... 2,400 different consoles. Unreal. Unreal. I mean, this isn't just, you know, I didn't even know there were 2,400. <laughs> it's very, I mean, this isn't it's like the Halo exactly. Xbox, the Sega right. exactly. Genesis. It's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. You, there's pictures online. I was looking at one that was just like the N64 picture and I counted 35. There could have been more. Yeah. So, Chris, you're drawn to this obviously because you know we'd all wish we could spend a million dollars on it. Uh, the 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 images are startling. What if you were magically gifted this collection? Oh God! What what? I mean, a where are you going to put it? Exactly, that's the <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> right. It's just not not small. Consoles. <laughs> yeah. Not small. This is this takes a this takes up you know a room and a half in your house. I'm sure at the at the least. Yeah, but. What, why, what does this do for you? I mean, do you, do you just look at them in their boxes? Do you keep them as a collection or do you take stuff out and play with it? What would you want to do with it? You know, I did a little math, actually. If you took it out and played with it, one console per day, it'd take you like six and a half years just to play everything. <laughs> that is wild. That's yeah, and, wild. And I, guess, I also did the math on uh, what it would cost uh, per console. It's a little over $400, which is actually, considering some of the stuff in there, probably about right. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't actually want this, but I like that it exists as a thing. Yeah, I, I, here it is. It's on, uh, it's on the French version of eBay. And um, this is, uh, Kaori30 is the name of the user who is selling 2,400 consoles for the buy it now price of nearly 1 million euros. Um, I love that it has a buy it now price. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wonder what, I mean, so here it is. A, a, a Google translation of the eBay listing reveals that this uh, Kaori30 began collecting in the early 90s. And uh, they sold their entire 90s collection at the turn of the century, but then they kept collecting in the early aughts and uh, and then stopped collecting in 2011 for lack of time and the difficulty in finding rare items. But in 2018, they, quote, fell back into the trap of collecting after visiting Tokyo, where they acquired almost everything they sold off previously. Wow. Ups and downs. Um, Yeah. But uh, this is, it's a sight to behold, and they say that uh, on their eBay auction, they do not believe it's possible to find some of these items anymore. So this may be a once-in-a-lifetime, one-of-a-kind type collection. Yeah, I was looking at their Xbox 360 uh, 
picture and there was stuff I didn't know existed. There's a Green Lantern, like uh, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern Xbox. Wow. Is that like a rare thing? I have no idea. I didn't know it existed. I don't know who would want that, but it's there if you want to buy the whole package. The good news is you can buy this and in like four years, Kaori 30 will come knocking on your door asking to purchase it back. <laughs> that could very well be the case. You know, I could actually see, you know, there's a lot of retro gaming is, is a big business at the moment, actually. And there could be some dealers out there who have that kind of money and, and could see this as a good investment. Uh, Christian, you are a big maybe. retro enthusiast. Would Does this uh, tickle your fancy? Is this something that you covet? I mean, looking at the PSP and Vita pictures, yes, to those specifically, mm. right? Like, again, there are versions of these consoles that I I don't know if I didn't knew, know existed or if I still don't believe exist. <laughs> you right. Know, yeah. the, the pictures of them. I feel like the, this is, yeah, like a, a store or someone who has more experience breaking the stuff apart. The question, the biggest question for me and Jeff and Chris, I'm curious kind of your thoughts on it is like, why now? You know, why again? Like, what are the breaking points that this yeah. collector keeps going through of, oh, I've, or maybe I've done it all. You know, I've gotten up through all of these consoles through this point, and now the fun is kind of lost, and I'm going to sell it for this buy it now price also, which I feel like oftentimes that's what you do for, you know, bulk comic books, where it's like, oh, I have this one, like um, Harley Quinn's first appearance in Batman Animated Series. Like, that's a rarer one of that. But otherwise, that Batman Animated Series comic run is all kind of middling in terms of value. And so you could sell that whole thing but then highlight that Harley Quinn, you know, or something like that. Yeah. For, for collectors, it's often all about the journey. So yeah, in that sense, you know, you, you almost wouldn't want to do this cause it's too easy. Right. Well, yeah, that's a good, well, they point out evidently in the eBay listing that it might be a, a good thing for a museum to purchase. And you could yeah. like, you could instantly have a museum. It's like a museum in a box. You got, you got exactly. an instant museum. I mean, that's what, I, what's shipping on this too. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I feel like a million, when you think about it, like $400 a console, Chris, like, okay, that's maybe kind of expensive, but then you think some of these consoles are rare, but then the time that this person is, even if it's just the French equivalent of stamps.com or something, you know, like the time to package and prepare, maybe you have to come get it yourself. Yeah. I don't know. It's incredible. I think you put it on one of those, uh, one of those flatbed trucks and you know, you got to pay for that. It's, it's gotta be a massive amount of shipping. And yeah, it boggles the mind, really. And I wonder, I wonder what the investment in was. Like, is this a money making potential sale? Like, do you, are you able to cobble this together for less than a million euros and then sell it for a million and make out like a bandit? It doesn't seem like that would be the case to me. Yeah, I would say maybe, but not by much. Yeah, yeah he's, he's probably not making a ton on and does- sale. Do they come with cables? Because I feel like some of these consoles' cables are, are hard to find. They all you know? have boxes, so I would think that yeah, I think it's all of the original stuff, man. And yeah, I, yeah, the, yeah. And I don't think I don't think anybody who's buying this is worried about the cables. You know what I mean? I feel yeah. like they're that nobody's touching the stuff that's in here. It's all for display and ownership. And I love in the middle rights. of the playstations and xboxes, dear listeners, there is an ouya. So if you've been clamoring to get <laughs> that, gotta have it. <laughs> got to have it part of the collection. It's, this thing has got to have been an albatross around this person's neck for a while, right? It feels like any just the just the storage of it alone has got to be yeah. a massive uh, burden. 
Don't you think? Yeah, he, he probably got really into collecting a bunch and then it was like, I've gone this far, I might as well go the whole way. <laughs> and then it becomes like a job almost, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, there, so he can get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, so if you're out there and you got a million euros, uh, maybe be a patron. Be a patron of our podcast. <laughs> at, at, really at any level. Uh, and then, if, you know, if you got any left over, then uh, this is cool. I guess this is cool too. Uh, but yeah, really fascinating story. I, I'd love to know who buys this ultimately um, and what happens I hope someone to does. Yeah. It may not yeah. happen. Let us know. Let us know if it's you. And uh, please be a patron. Anyway, uh, Christian Spicer, <laughs> what is your story of the week? Uh, my story of the week, uh, I guess, is kind of related to this big batch of consoles and the way that they had a bunch of Xbox consoles. And this week we got the new roadmap for Halo Infinite. Um, Brian B. also sent us. I never – people gave us last names, but I never know if they want us saying them. I'll say Brian B. Yeah. Um, uh, sent this to us, uh, also highlighting it. And Halo Infinite's roadmap includes some it, – it's a um, – a, a buffet of things, I guess. Some good, some bad. Like when you go to a buffet, you're like, oh, Jello, pleasant surprise. Never have that at home. This is a treat. Also, what is that? I am not going to get that. That's, oh, those are green beans? That's disgusting. You know, and you kind of move your tray down the line. And I think for me, what stuck out more were some of the green beans <laughs> of, of delays, further delays, which understandable again there's also was crunch talk happening this week for a different game in a different studio but that is never the answer never healthy never good but also halo infinite seems to have been so troubled and they've done a roadmap before and then went quiet and now came back with a new roadmap that seems like it has more issues than answers split screen locals split screen is canceled that's no longer part of it forge the beta or demo is rolling out wider but also later than expected um the live services roadmap has been tweaked again from what they said it was going to be and they're doing it quote in order to improve and accelerate ongoing live service development and to better address player feedback and quality of life uh, updates they've relocated studio resources so that was part of canceling the local campaign and split screen co-op and it, it feels like to me that halo for so long and master chief was the you know the flag bearer for the xbox and it kind of boggles my mind that halo infinite is at the state it's at right now when this announcement came out jeff i texted you along the lines of how i think it, it's kind of uh not hit its goal for either being a classic halo game or for competing successfully with modern live service games. And it's kind of run this gauntlet down the middle, doing neither one incredibly well. That being said, I really enjoyed the single-player campaign when it came out. I think it was one of my five favorites of the year. But even then, it, it felt like the whole package felt lacking. You know, It didn't have all these things that Halo was known for having. And then that live service side of it, also was lacking and still feels left behind compared to, you know, pick your game, Valorant, Apex Legends, certainly Fortnite. And I'm curious, um, you know, to some extent, Chris, your take on 
in the working in the space, not on huh? Halo by any stretch. Uh, I'm not trying to say in, when you worked on Halo, <laughs> but <laughs> working in the space when a game development changes this much, you know, is there a flare going up somewhere that's just like send help, or is it just honest to goodness? Uh, games are hard and priorities change. Oh wow. Um, yeah, I, I've worked, uh, probably mainly in my Marvel days would have been when stuff like that would have happened. And I wasn't really a developer developer then I was working at Marvel, but you know, like, like stuff you've heard rumors of, of games that have, uh, you know, been canceled or whatever. So that's probably the, the closest thing I've come to it. And yeah, there's, there's flares everywhere and, and, you know, Sometimes the best thing is to delay it. Sometimes it's to outright cancel it. Uh, it's never fun. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. Think- it's it's. I think it's really riled the Halo audience online. This is this kind of landed with a with a thud. You know, as as you might expect. Uh, this this is constantly shifting goalposts. This thing of like, hey, you know, we're we're never going to release a game now without couch co-op again uh people at microsoft um uh, you know <laughs> the, what was it uh in 2017 halo boss bonnie ross said not including split screen in halo 5 was one of the painful learnings that microsoft faced after taking ownership of the halo brand from bungie and she went on to promise quote for any fps going out forward we will always have split screen in not so much anymore not so much anymore and the crazier thing than this is that uh, Will Sinclair on Twitter uh, reached out to me and pointed out uh, something that I hadn't seen online, which is if you have a Xbox Series X, you can glitch the main menu for Halo uh, Infinite and get split-screen co-op working. It works. Now, who knows, you know, what kind of problems it, you know, who knows if it works for everybody. And even if there was a tiny fraction of the audience that it didn't work on, I'm sure they couldn't ship it as an actual feature. There's all kinds of stuff, but clearly it was real close to being a feature because you can glitch it into the game, um, which is wild. And you mentioned uh, Brian B sending, sending this to us. Brian uh, wrote a, a lengthy email about why he wanted this to be on the show. Uh, Brian said, uh, quote, the reason I wanted to send this in is because I wanted to hear your thoughts on Halo Infinite's half-bakedness. And and Microsoft said the game was announced at E3 2018 and apparently had been in initial development as early as 2015. Yet here we are several years since then and the game is still just an uncooked mess. Um, Yeah, it's it's hard. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. No, 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 please. It's hard. Because what's there, I I really liked. I yes. really, really liked. I mean, the plot had some, you know, I had some issues with late game plot in terms of the campaign and the story it was telling. But in terms of reintroducing Master Chief to people, the grappling hook was so compelling. And I think part of what made it even more fun in a way was the idea, was the promise of the – I guess the premise of the promise, <laughs> to flip it, was the idea of like imagining – playing some of these awesome moments with friends, whether on the couch or online, which it also didn't launch with, which also was still kind of in this weird beta stage. And also picturing, oh yes, Halo's going to go live service with multiplayer. They've already shown, they've given us this awesome 
old school arena style shooter, but they're also promising, you know, this battle pass thing, which they're not making up. You know, it's a, it's a wheel that has been used for the equivalent, the video game equivalent of a hundred years already, (laughs) you know, and like, that's exciting. What kind of cool things are we going to get from that? And here we are, you know, approaching two years later. And, and now that those promises have been canceled, some of them, and others just feel so far-fetched that it's just I, – I guess that's still a game. And it feels such a, like a letdown being Halo. If it was you know, new IP that we want to do this cool stuff with and it doesn't quite hit these goalposts, I kind of get it. But I feel like Halo's bigger than that, but I guess not. And, and it was already delayed a year, right? I yeah. mean it, it was supposed to come out a year earlier in, in the state that it did come out. Yeah. Without any a lot of the stuff, it was already delayed a year. So I don't know. You want to you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, uh, we have friends on that team. I, you know, you feel for these developers. Things are unexpected. Of course, COVID happened in there too, and you know, all that stuff needs to be taken into account. And on top of that, the actual winter update that they are outlining, which happens November eighth uh, in Halo Infinite does have some cool stuff. Uh, it's got the the uh, match XP feature, which people have been requesting. It's got the Forge beta, which will be a huge boon for people to create their own levels and add much more replayability to the to the game world. Uh, they've got that online campaign co-op. No, no couch co-op, but, you know, online campaign co-op. I'm definitely excited about that. Um, so there are some cool things coming for this game, but when you set out to make a game called Halo Infinite, and it's going to be supposedly the version of Halo that is going to last forever and is supposed to, you know, be this live service and all these things. It, it just feels like it's not really delivering on. I mean, I guess the forever promise is happening because everything's pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. But it's it's more that you want this game to feel like the place you're going to live and stay, and it's got all the things you want for a long, long time. And instead it just feels like, oh, here's reasons not to play it because it doesn't have the things that I want. Yeah. And there's Thoughts. hope. I mean, <laughs> sea of Thieves got real good and it took a yeah. while, in my opinion, for it to become real good to me. It took a we've, while. We've heard about Fallout 76 uh, yes. that way as well. Yes. So yes. there's time and there's opportunity. But again, I think part of it is Halo. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and to me, I feel like maybe I'm just old. You know, maybe other people are like, I don't, you know, get that grandpa soldier off my lawn. <laughs> no one cares about Halo grandpa soldier. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, yeah, it makes uh, me a little well, sad. Chris, I don't want to make you, uh, you know, have to speak ill of of any other developer. I, I don't know how comfortable you are speaking about this in, in particular, but mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts. I'm actually having uh, flashbacks to when I worked at Gazillion now, uh, the makers of, of Marvel Heroes, um, which, you know, the, the game kind of got off on a rocky start. Then it got good and people liked it, but people didn't know that it was good. It was hard to get people to accept that it was good. And then we started changing things. And, there, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of stuff that, you know, we were promising that we weren't able to deliver on and that sort of thing. And that, that's kind of what I'm having flashbacks of here. Uh, but, you know, it, it, that doesn't mean they can't turn it around. And and I, I certainly wish them the best in that regard. And it is Halo and it certainly has Microsoft's backing 100%, I'm sure. And, and yeah. uh, I, I think they will 
you know, set things on the most ideal uh, path. And, and I'm rooting for them in that regard. It's got to be rough inside, right? As a developer, you, you're yeah. aware of these things and I'm sure it's got to be rough as you're experiencing it from the inside as well. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, with any game, if, if, if your game is, is not living up to, you know, expectations or whatever, it's not like you as a developer don't know that. Right. And, but at the same time, it's not like you're not giving it your all. So, uh, yeah, it's just part, it's one of the things that kind of sucks about developing games is yeah. it doesn't always come out as you'd hope. It's hard. It's a yeah. hard, hard process. And we see that proven out uh, time and time again with, you know, delays and, and, uh, feature changes and stuff. And, and it's probably got to be very difficult, um, you know, on both sides, but uh, I, I wonder, I'm, I'm rooting for those guys. Go ahead, Christian. Yeah. Likewise. I, I wonder if, you know, it needs something almost like what Marvel heroes got. And I agree that game got very good and it got a straight up relaunch, you know, like a yeah. new review code was sent out and like, this is like Marvel heroes, 2000, I forget, whatever it was called. Um, 2015, then 2016, then Omega. Yeah, yeah. And like giving it that opportunity to be something new that people will take a look at. And I think the same way, you know, speaking of Halo, it's hard not to look at Bungie who created the franchise, but I love Destiny too. I haven't always, you know, and if you look back mm. at Destiny 1, that game also certainly didn't live up to its promises. And even with Destiny 2, it kind of suffered the same fate and they had until they relaunched it, you know, with this expansion that became this big thing and it was a named thing and now they have these big named thing moments that give them the opportunity to clear the air and i almost wonder if you know halo infinite needs that moment whether it's november or you know next february when a a big content pack comes out and it's halo infinite colon a new dawn you know or something like that to give it a chance to rebrand itself going forward and bring people to the positives instead of the stuff that still isn't there or what got canceled along the way. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, I, I wonder how much is that's necessary based on the fact that Microsoft has game pass at the center of its uh, strategy. You know, I, yeah. I, I really wonder because I, I don't feel like halo is responsible for selling all these box copies anymore. Well, not if the uh, Activision they, merger closes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we can get to that. Before I get to my story of the week, uh, we do need to thank our first sponsor, which is HelloFresh. Oh, I love talking about HelloFresh because it has actually made my life better. Uh, and that is not spin. That is not exaggeration. HelloFresh makes my life better on a weekly basis. I have been a subscriber to a paid subscriber to HelloFresh for many years now. And it improved my life. HelloFresh is a uh, a meal kit. It's America's number one meal kit because you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes that are delivered right to your doorstep. You don't have to go to the grocery store to get the ingredients. You don't have to worry about picking out a menu. You get awesome, awesome recipes with so much variety. And HelloFresh actually makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable really is the reason that I love cooking now. Uh, I honestly, I'll tell my wife, hey, if we got a HelloFresh, I'm happy to cook. If we don't have a HelloFresh, uh, if we're out of our HelloFreshes this week, eh, uh, I'd rather not. But uh, (laughs) if I I can do the HelloFresh, I love it. I truly love it because 
I don't have to go to the grocery store. I get these pre-portioned ingredients. Pre-portioned means I know exactly what I need or they know exactly what I need and they give me only what I need. So I don't have to buy a giant thing of, uh, you know, whatever, whatever weird ingredient that I want for my recipe. And then the rest of it that I don't use in the recipe goes bad in the fridge. I don't have to overspend. I get exactly what I need. And it's farm fresh produce that arrives within a week. So I get the convenience, but I don't have to worry about the quality. And I don't have to go to the grocery store because I'll tell you what, I hate it. I don't like waiting in lines at grocery stores. I don't like wandering around the aisles looking for the obscure thing that I need. It's awesome. Plus, there are so many different recipes. There's all kinds of different uh, you can you can get vegetarian meals, health conscious meals. There's the fit and wholesome recipes uh, for nutritious meals that you can feel good about. Um, and you've got all this flexibility. You don't have to. You can skip a week if you need to. You can change your delivery day if you need to. Change your food preferences, your plan size. It's so simple. I use the app. I hop on the app a few weeks in advance. I really enjoy picking out from the numerous meals that you can choose from. They have dozens of them and you can pick out. I like picking them out in advance and then surprising myself because I've forgotten about it in the interim. It's great. Uh, It's really, really cool. Uh, And you can customize your favorite dishes now with their new Hello Custom offerings. You swap out one of the proteins for another. So if you, you know, if you're, uh, the thing has, uh, I don't know, beef and you want pork or whatever, you can swap it out. It's really, really cool. Or you can, Add a protein to a veggie meal if you want to do that. More choices, more variety, more meals truly tailored to you. Check it out. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DLC16 and use the code DLC16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That is HelloFresh.com slash DLC and then the one and the six, 16 the numer the numerals DLC 16 use that promo code DLC 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts that is why hellofresh is america's number one meal kit and why i've been doing it for years check it out all right my story of the week i'm tempted to do two because there's two really really good ones but i'm <laughs> i'm just you're uh, jeff Kanata and you'll do what you want that's <laughs> right um, I, I really want to get uh, Chris's opinion on on this story because I think it's it's uh, you know he he'll have some insight from uh, working at a developer. But we just found out uh, that From Software, which is you know riding the wave of of Elden Ring's massive sales and critical acclaim uh, this year, just got a huge influx of cash from both Sony and Tencent. They, uh, Sony now owns 16.25% of From Software and Sony Interactive owns 14.09% uh, for a total of 30%. Uh, so, uh, uh, Katakawa, which is the, uh, the parent company of From Software, still owns, um, nearly 70% of the stock. So they are still in firm control. They're not, it's, it's not a buyout. This is not an acquisition like a lot of the, stories that we've been covering over the last few years. But it does mean that From Software is getting uh, a lot of a lot of cash, a lot of um, value that they can use. And in a press release, From Software uh, said that the funds will be used to, quote, strengthen 
the studio's capabilities to create and develop game IP. And they also hinted at establishing a framework that allows expansion of the scope of From Software's own publishing in the global market. So ironically, getting money from these two mega publishers might allow From Software to become their own publisher uh, worldwide. And Chris, I'm so curious what you uh, what your take on this is, what your opinion of this is, as uh, you know, as a developer that relies on on publishers, right? Um, what what kind of how would that empower From Software? What internal change would that mean? Hmm. Uh, well, at Zen, we're we're pretty self sufficient, but, uh, but oh yeah, yeah oh maybe I'm wrong oh, about yeah. that. Well, yeah, it, no, you know, it, it, it we are part of Embracer now, which you know I, I think actually fits part of your question. Which uh, yeah, it, it more money gives you more options. You can hire more people to to make more awesome parts of your game. You can uh, sink more marketing uh, dollars into things so more people know about it. Um, and, you know, as, as far as just Tencent and, and Sony, it like absolutely makes sense that they did that because Elden Ring is, is so huge. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it, it, I think it's good for all of them actually. Hmm. I wonder if this also by kind of selling off portions of the company to two different um, places, if it actually fends off any potential acquisition, real acquisition, because now you have these these uh, other you know pseudo partners that aren't interested in that in, in being acquired or or allowing that acquisition that, to happen. But that that seems pretty. Uh, it's a pretty reasonable assumption, I would say. Yeah, yeah, Christian, I don't know for sure. Uh, Christian, what do you what do you make of this? I mean, it certainly uh, seems to galvanize from software's um, relationship with Sony even farther. We know that, you know, from software games tend to be very much associated with Sony platforms. Uh, what do you, what do you make of this uh, development? Yes. Yeah, someone or someone's at Sony uh, has a plan and that plan involves a lot of this style of investment in, um, you know, was it in, uh, um, Oh my gosh, my brain's been totally bright. An Epic, right? And now in From Software. And there was another studio also, Bungie, the acquisition of Bungie in a way, but still allowed them to keep at least Destiny 2 on everywhere. And, and Bungie came out and said, like, we're, we're independent. We still run things independent. Sony's money has given us this freedom to do XYZ, you know, and here's how it's going to change. And Sony said, like, we're happy for that. And I, I'm curious if, you know, part of it is, all of Sony or Sony Entertainment, you know, talking a little bit more and like, does this mean that Sony Studios makes the Elden Ring movie? You know, <laughs> Sony is making every yeah. franchise they have a finger in. It seems like a, a, a cross media event, and I, I don't know. This is just total speculation on my part, but it does seem like Sony is spending money uh, investing in other studios, but still allowing those studios to do other things. And it is a little bit more of a question mark about the return they expect to see from that. Because I don't think it's purely monetary, right? It's not like, no, this is great. Look at our, you know, it's like, oh, I invested in Apple and Sony invested in, you know, from software. <laughs> Look at the returns we're getting. What a, I can't wait for their uh, shareholder results. I, I, you know, I've, clearly they want money, but I think it's also a say and a little bit of influence on the company. And I'm curious to see how this all, you know, how this all plays out going forward. 
it's fascinating because it is not Microsoft's approach where Microsoft comes over and says, you are ours now. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And you go and we've seen certainly from other studios as well, like Tomb Raider is mine now. I will take all of this. Um, and so I'm curious to see how it plays out. But again, yes, Demon Souls, certainly there is a legacy of Bloodborne of from games being on Sony consoles. So I think there's clearly a good working relationship there. And if it allows that team at From Software to do more bigger, better things than as a gamer, I'm 100% in favor of it, right? Like it, it yeah. sounds like it's yeah. win-win as currently described. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what's next from them. I mean, th- just the th- just the tit- that's what's next from them. <laughs> <laughs> just the Titanic success of Elden Ring. I I can't help but think has shifted. I mean, they talk about having more original IP in this press release and I I can't think that they'll just be doing, you know, the next uh, Demon Souls, the next Dark Souls, whatever, whatever it is. I kind of feel like this is going to be a period of expansion for them and to see, uh, hopefully they don't overextend. Hopefully they can continue the level of quality that they've been able to uh, show with, with stuff like Elden Ring. Um, It'll be interesting to see, you know, if they really become uh, a, 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 their own publisher or, or a developer that can do, you know, multiple games in a year, how that all plays out and it, whether they keep making the same types of games or they, they expand, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a fascinating time for them because I think Elden Ring and that's that mega level of success and, and this kind of thing where they have more money going forward, as Chris was pointing out, it just allows you to do more things and that can either be a really, really great thing or it can be the kind of thing where you know the company kind of forgets uh what their identity is or tries to do overextend in certain ways that that don't work out i like i just say that oh go ahead chris oh sorry yeah the just the story of from software kind of fascinates me because you know i started my day my days in gaming in uh the press at the official playstation magazine late ps1 early ps2 era and back then, they had a game that was a 0.5 out of 5, uh, Shadow Tower, I think it was, you know, magazine. <laughs> 0.5 out of 5, wow. Uh, you know, they had the Kingsfields and the, the Armored Corps, which had their followings, but they weren't exactly like critical darlings. You know, it was, it was a bunch of, you know, stuff that would be in the 70s in Metacritic, you know, like solid, but not great. And they've just like come so far. <laughs> yeah, no And I'm kind of just in awe because they were like the the the... One of the one of those uh, crazy Japanese uh, RPG studios that has a very d- distinct flavor that probably isn't going to appeal much to the West, but now it certainly does. Yeah, yeah. they've they've kept their flavor, but people sort of uh, decided it's delicious. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's really great. I, I, I like that though. I, I mean, I think I respect. Oh yeah, that. it's wonderful. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, all right. Well, there's one more story that uh, I think we definitely need to bring up, and I, because I think this is really uh, could be a, a potential game changer, and it caused a, quite a bit of a stir. There's been rumors of it bubbling up, and, and people have been data mining and finding things about this. But officially, Microsoft has provided details for its Game Pass Friends and Family plan, which they're currently testing in Colombia and Ireland, uh, as one does. Um, one assumes this will happen, uh, you know, if this goes well, a rollout will be, uh, global, uh, and part of game pass, but, um, insiders, Xbox insiders, uh, so far have been testing game pass. This started in early August, uh, 
And the idea for this friends and family plan is that there is a primary account holder who pays the bills for the, uh, the Game Pass plan who can invite up to four people at a time with a max of eight per year. And you all get access to uh, the many, many games on Game Pass, and which Game is Pass pretty Ultimate, amazing. I believe too, right? And it's, Game Pass Ultimate, yes, yes. You, tier. your family, your friends, anybody you invite can play on console, PC, and cloud together at the same time or not. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I think this is, this is potentially a huge deal. Uh, Chris, what do you, what do you think? Get Xbox game pass friends and family. Do you think this will be, uh, yet another game changer for the game pass? I, I think the game pass in itself is still a game changer. And, yeah. you know, this only strengthens that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I still haven't gotten around to getting a, a series yet, but, uh, this, this kind of thing makes it a, a lot more appealing. Um, meaning I could give my dad my old Xbox and he could take advantage of this with me. I mean, you could both be on PC, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, it that's works. right. That's right. It's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. His, his PC sucks though. So <laughs> he still hasn't played, he, he, he's not a gamer, but, uh, he really wants to play Operencia and, and he really wants to play Circus Electric too, but he just doesn't have the equipment for it and he's not yeah. going to buy it. So <laughs> classic dad, my dad yeah, still has yeah. a disc drive. I mean, come on, dad. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> Um, but yeah, th- this is obviously an amazing deal. And, uh, you know, if I don't actually take advantage of it, maybe a, a kind listener who has an act- an extra seat in theirs would let me. I mean, it's wild to me <laughs> that Microsoft's plan is, seems to be like, get as many people subscribed to this service as possible. And here they are allowing potentially fewer people to subscribe. I, I just think it just seems to be. Every decision that's made with Game Pass seems to be user first, which just doesn't seem like Microsoft at all to me, but I love it. It's, it's wild. Um, you know, there's a few restrictions. You have to have the people uh, in your friend and family list in the same country or region you are in. So you can't, you know, you can't just open it up to people overseas or whatever. My dad's but in it, Texas. That's arguably a different country. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and it looks like, I, you know, the the price is listed uh, in COP, which I guess is Colombian uh, money. I don't, I don't know the exchange it's rate. It's about for 10 four, bucks more a month. It's about 10 bucks more. 10 bucks more. So that's pretty darn good, man. What think, do you think, yeah, Christian? Using, this, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. If you're using those spots, it's definitely a deal, right? Like Game Pass Ultimate uh, uh, by itself is what, like about 15 bucks a month, I think. Um, yeah. So and yeah, it's like if what, you, 10 bucks more than that or 10 bucks more than five no, bucks yeah, more than that. I, I think it's 25 bucks. Is it, oh, okay. I've seen kind of the estimate for what people think it will be here in the U.S. And if that holds true and you have, you know, you fill all the spots in your friends and family and you're all paying your little you know piece of it or whatever – it's very compelling. You know, it again is a very ah. bargain way to get into it is already a pretty good bargain when it comes to an expensive hobby. Dorm room, pass the bucket, everybody throw a dollar in kind of situation. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And currently, you know, like my, my, my kids have accounts on um, our Xbox Series S and they can play Game Pass games, but we can't play together, right? So right. if we want to play Forza Horizon five together like a, a, an online game and like i'm on in my office on the computer or whatever and they're down 
stairs uh, on the Series S, we couldn't do that without an extra um, account. And but this solves that problem. So it kind of, you know, if you have a multi-console house or or cloud or computer and you want to play games, I guess you don't need split screen Halo if you have Xbox friends and family because someone can just play on the cloud um, sitting next to you still. It, it really does seem like another value proposition, but also a way of, um, you know, Trojan horsing, another Trojan horse uh, move by Xbox to get people on the system. Because if it is a group yeah. of friends or even family, and then eventually you just become ingrained with this service and you have it and you keep it, then, well, my parents kicked me off their cell phone plan and their Game Pass plan, you know, or whatever it is. But they're, they want to keep experiencing that. They're, they're, they have that brand loyalty, that affinity for the service and the games and how they play and that's how they interact with things. And it does seem like a really smart move to get people in and hooked, especially in an era where other companies are looking to, you know, eliminate password sharing and, you know, try to, to do other things that seem less consumer friendly. Yeah. It feels like another consumer friendly move by Microsoft. It's amazing because as you're saying, all, all these other services are doing their best to squash this out. And Microsoft is saying, hey, we'll make it, make it easy. Uh, again, you'll be paying a little more. So, you know, they would say, well, we want our cut, but I think this is pretty reasonable and Nintendo and that, has this already for people listening with yeah. their online service. You can buy the family pass or whatever they call it, the family pack. And we do that in our family. And certainly other services do this as well. Like we're an Apple music household and we have Apple one family, I think. So it you know, allows for that. Like Apple's been friendly in that regard where like I bought a movie 10 years ago on my account and my kids want to watch Captain America, the first Avenger now on their iPad. They can go into family sharing and click and download and watch and stuff like that. So it's not an exception in terms of tech and media per se, but it is. it, it seems newer for um, the gaming landscape for sure. Yeah. Well, we have no word as to when this will launch or, or even if it was launched for sure, but it seems like a pretty good bet. But we don't have no idea when it will launch in the U.S. or other territories, but... Uh, it's pretty cool, but you know, hey, if you're listening, Mr. Baker, get ready because you'll be able to play your your son's games pretty soon, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's get to the games that we have been playing this week. But first, let me uh, thank our second sponsor, which is Squarespace. Squarespace. I just woke up everyone in my Airbnb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. It allows you to stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, sell anything, your products, your, your, your content, even your time. Why? Well, Squarespace makes it easy for creators to monetize their content and their expertise in a way that fits their brand with member areas. These are member areas on Squarespace that you can unlock uh, that allows you to uh, create a new revenue stream for your business and free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or newsletters. You can build videos right in the Squarespace Video Studio app, which uh, helps you make and share all kinds of videos to tell your story, grow your audience, and drive sales. And if you've got an online store, or if you need an online store for anything, whether it is a physical product, a digital product, 
even uh, experiences. You can sell things online so easily with Squarespace. They have the tools that you need to start selling online in an online story. It's really just drag and drop. It's so simple. All their tools, as always, as for the eight and a half years that we've been talking about Squarespace, the one unchanging thing is that their tools are so simple to use. It makes it so that you don't have to know anything about web design to make something beautiful. You just have to keep dragging around until you like it. Plus, they've got uh, websites that are mobile optimized right out of the box. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to worry about it being optimized for mobile. Uh, And they've got analytics that you can use to get insight into your business. Everything you need to create a business online, it's great. Check it out. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me is where you go for a free trial. You can use all the tools for free. They won't charge you a dime until you click launch on your website. And when you do that, use our offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. And you'll let them know that it's been a good idea to support us for eight years, which is really, really cool. Uh, You can buy domains on Squarespace. I do that. That's the only place I buy domains. It's great. They have an awesome front end. Again, Jeff sent me is the promo code for 10% off. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me is where you go. It is time to talk about the games that we have been playing this week. Chris, what is on your playlist? Uh, yeah, I know you guys always like to talk about the latest and greatest stuff. Uh, so there's one latest and greatest thing that is 13 really old things, that being <laughs> the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Calabunga Collection. And that's kind of been my week the past week. Oh, man. I know Christian is very happy to hear you mention that. Uh, are, you a, are you a TMNT <laughs> oh, yeah. fan from way back? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was probably just a little too old for it when it, it, it was in its stride. But, you know, I would still watch it every day after school. I, I have my seventh grade journal. I have the logo that I drew on the, the cover right next Amazing. to the 89 Batman logo because that was the thing back then, too. That's um, so great. Yeah. So, you know, I was really into these games. I was one of the only kids, maybe the only kid I knew who actually beat the original NES game legit back then. Oh, that's a that's an accomplishment. Yeah, that's one of the few that I have (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, I beat that game. Um, So. So, yeah, I was super excited to, to delve into that. And, you know, more so not the games themselves, but the extra content and just the the package that it represents that era, you know, um, you know, digital clips did an amazing job of just including all these cool extras. Like, you know, you get all the manuals and all the, all the boxes and uh, a lot of the, the uh, ads and um, it takes probably a good hour or so just to read through all that stuff and, and, you know, really soak it in. And, and I, that was the first thing I did when I got, I, I just opened it up and I looked at all the ads and, that's cool. Yeah. There's really terrible ads too. Like one of them was like, uh, uh, they wouldn't trade these games for all the slime in Hollywood. And it showed like four, four, four of their games. And it was like, is that what they want? They want the slime in Hollywood. I, that was an actual headline in one of the ads. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like, I find that hard to believe who would not <laughs> trade if offered all the slime in Hollywood, what, who, who among us would not trade. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, they would do a, a Weinstein movie later on. So, but um, yeah, there you go. There's uh, a lot of sl- <laughs> slime. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I've dabbled in the games too. Like I've kind of gotten about halfway through that NES game and, uh, you know, the, did the arcade game and the, NES version of that. Um, one thing cool I've discovered that you really only discover in something like this, where you have infinite continues and you know quarters aren't really something you worry about. Uh, who, let me just ask you guys: Who is the worst turtle to play as traditionally in, in video games? The worst turtle, I would have, I would say Raphael, but that maybe Raphael. I guess. Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Yes, that that is the correct answer. <laughs> he has the the short reach, right? But yeah, I, I found out just through playing around that in the original arcade game, there's like the super move you can do by pressing both buttons at the same time. Everybody has the same like jump and swoop kind of move that's pretty strong, but Raphael actually has a ranged version of that. So he'll hmm. do a little flip, a little somersault. Uh, on the ground and then kick. And then, so he actually has even more range than Donatello. Uh, wow. So he's actually not totally worthless in that game. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like using him now. So, wow. you know, it's, it's, you, you discover that kind of stuff uh, playing a collection like this. And, you know, they have all these like kind of fake Nintendo powers that uh, I know my friend Chris Kohler put together uh, that um, have, you know, they look, straight out of an issue of Nintendo power and they have like maps and tips and stuff like that. It's, it's really cool. Christian, I know you have been diving into this. Uh, I believe I got a text when you, when it arrived at your house before you'd even open the box that just said game of the year has arrived. Uh, (laughs) That was what I believe happened. Oh yeah. That's just my sealed copy, Jeff. Like don't, (laughs) don't get confused. Uh, (laughs) Um, No, it is. It's incredible, and I think what makes it so incredible is what Chris said. It's all the all the extras, the digital extras that are in it. I mean, straight up design docs. And um, yeah. dang it, I'm not at home, so I don't I don't have it in front of me. But one of the uh, developers started tweeting about it too, and just being like, "Oh my god, like I haven't seen the, the yes, these are my notes." And yep, we 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 wished we could make that level better, but deadlines were deadlines, and it's just it's not just the skimming. Like here's a doodle. It's straight up design docs that are in Japanese, but then are have uh, apparently I don't read Japanese, uh, but excellent translations there next to them. So you're able to kind of understand what what's being said and, and what was written down and kind of the design of these games back in the day as it was happening and incredible doodles of characters and, and all this stuff and bringing these games to life. Like that stuff is awesome. And also just the sheer breadth of the collections, you know, it is every game from the arcade slash NES through the 16-bit era and all the Game Boy stuff. You know, we were, were what, like 10 years away, uh, or only 10 years past when the re-release of Turtles in Time was, what, 10 or $20 on, on Xbox Live, and the arcade game was $10, something like that, on Xbox mm-hmm. Live, or... PSN as well, and to have all of these games and all of the versions, and not only that, but even just the different uh, region versions. Like you can pull yeah. up Turtles in Time. I, I think that's the you know a couple of them. And you can say what 
what region do you want to play? Do you want to play the Japanese version, the European version, the in North American version, and they're all there. This is the uh, $1 million eBay uh, yes, auction yeah, of, right. <laughs> of Turtles games is what yes, this is. Yes, yeah. it really is. And it has you know both the arcade and the home release version. So you can see like, oh, Turtles in Time, the arcade version, has slightly better graphics, way better uh, VO and more sound files and stuff like that, but is a worse game. Like just worst hitboxes, the enemy is clearly designed to chew through your quarters in a way that the console version isn't. And when you're not playing them side by side like that, you don't those differences don't necessarily jump out to you. And the Super Nintendo version is regarded as one of the best brawlers of all time because of that work they put in. It wasn't a simple arcade port. They really thought about how do we bring this game home in a meaningful way. And so it's More really fun to see too. that. Yeah. What was that? More content in that game in uh, the yes. Super Nintendo version, like a couple yes. of levels. Yeah. And there's also a full-on watch mode that's not just a video file of someone playing the game. The game is actually playing itself, like a self-playing piano or whatever. And at any point, you can jump in and and, and start playing. So if you're playing, that's in all the games. So if you're playing that first NES Turtles and you're in the underwater level and you're like, forget this, I'm not Chris. Uh, when I was in elementary school or whatever, I don't have those gaming skills. I'm not the goat. The game can play itself, and then I can jump in and and play past that. It does also the game just, does the game sigh at you like a little brother might. <laughs> yeah, it just, <laughs> it, it just gives you control. You want to you want to take over right now? Okay, I was I was just about to beat the boss, but if you really want to take over right now, I guess it's cool. I mean, the sad part is for me growing <laughs> up, and I think we talked about this three years ago when Chris was on. Like Chris probably actually was that person at my house for <laughs> so it's fitting. The games themselves, it's it's not the best version of the games like they are software emulated games so there are problems with that where they're not perfect absolutely port perfect and they have some screen filters that you could put on to replicate like a crt or an lcd for the game boy games and stuff like that and those also aren't the best in class for those types of things and so i think similarly to when we had tim gettys on and he talked about the sonic origins collection which i think that collection has more problems than this turtles collection but his sentiment for the Sonic Origins collection was like, this is a great way to play these incredible games. And I think the same thing holds true here for the Kawabunga collection. And I think even more so than Sonic Origins, where this is an incredible way to revisit some of these games. And the fact that they're all in one package with all this extra stuff that Chris talked about. And it's uh, it was like 30 bucks, I think 34 bucks. Uh, 40, but yeah. Oh, okay. There, four of them are online as well. I don't think we mentioned that. Yes. I, yes. I have not done. I have not played that yet, but uh, yeah, four of them are online. Yes, it's such a complete package that in this day and age, a lot of these things aren't. And I, I guess this is the second that Konami uh, of recent memory that the Castlevania collection was also a very complete collection. And so, again, I could have seen this being nickel and dimed as like the arcade collection, the uh, you know sixteen bit collection, the Game Boy collection, and kind of have it broken apart piecemeal. And it's not. It's a really wonderful collection made with care that I think gets almost everything right as far as software emulation can go. And uh, Turtles in Time and Hyperstone Heist hold up today as incredible brawlers to play uh, alone or with friends. It's really good. All right. So here is my challenging question for you both. 
what is the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle release of 2022? <laughs> this or Shredder's Revenge? Chris, you want to go first? Um, I think at the end of the day, I have to say this. Uh, well, uh, wow. Because <laughs> the other one wouldn't exist without this one right here. So, and, and there's just so much there. And as much as Shredder's Revenge, like, uh, plays off nostalgia for new stuff, the, <laughs> the new one is just pure new nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is like the the purest nostalgia you can get. Uh, there's definitely an argument for the other side, and I'm curious if Christian's going to take that. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Calabunga Collection. Christian? Yeah, for me, Calabunga Collection. For my kids, Shredder's Revenge. Mm-hmm. Like, for people that don't have that nostalgia of sinking tons of hours into these games as a kid, Shredder's Revenge is the better playing game. They've made smart upgrades to these systems and mechanics and it's deeper and you know more satisfying to play with friends where you can heal each other and do this, that, and the other. The online play is, in my experience, better. Um, but for someone who grew up on these Turtles games, and I think I might have talked about it briefly on the Wednesday show, like when I got my Cowabunga collection, I put it on my shelf next to all of the games. Like, you know, I own I own all the games on the original hardware. And I was like, yes, you are complete now. And so mm-hmm. for me to have all of those, and I have the Switch copy, and I added the Steam version to a wish list that I will pick up when it's on sale to have on Steam Deck as well, to have all of them there in this complete collection to just pick up and play whenever, wherever, it makes Cowabunga Collection the better release for me. Great. There you go. The, uh, TMNT super fans have spoken. It's the Cowabunga <laughs> collection. Uh, certainly, certainly an incredible uh, array of, of games. I mean, just the all in one package. is pretty amazing. Chris, uh, what else is on your playlist? Yeah. Other than that lately, uh, you know, I have a two year old daughter and she's expressed an interest in playing video games. She's very bad at it, but uh, you know, uh, so, so I'm trying to get, find stuff that, that, maybe she can figure out how to play video games with, which has led me in recent days. Uh, what one game I never thought I'd play uh, ice age scratch nutty adventure. Uh, <laughs> this is a, a game that, uh, you know, she saw the ice age movies recently really enjoyed them. So it was on uh, the, the PlayStation plus essential. It was a download. So I was like, sure, why not? Uh, and so basically her problem is, she knows how to move. She knows how to jump. She knows how to move the camera around. She just can't do anything in combination. So she can do one thing at a time, um, which, you know, I I've, was very painful playing Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga with her, which, you know, if you're playing with someone who actually knows how to play video games, it's probably a pretty good split screen experience. But uh, it's pretty messy when you just see the the camera going everywhere and for half the screen, this like dynamic uh, split screen that it has. Um, but I did find uh, actually Sonic the Hedgehog, the original game has a one spot in the first level where if uh, you've got one ring, you can just like run into this crab and you'll go back and you'll catch the ring and then you can just keep doing that. So, so she was able to like move toward that crab like 10 times and keep, getting her health back and all that. 
uh, that's probably the, the best performance she's had so far. But, you know, we'll get her there. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. I, yeah. I mean, it's it's cool to to use those IP that she's familiar with to, you know, kind of teach those little, uh, yeah. those, those and, necessities. And I it's also, good. I'm not, I'm not forcing it upon her at all. I, I want to take our time with that. Cause one thing it's really sure. cute, but another thing, you know, I want her to like it. I don't want her to feel like I'm forcing it upon her, which is not something I ever wanted. Right. Of course. Awesome. Very, very cool. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? Well, the other game I can talk about here and now that I talked about uh, Privacy Embargo went up on our Wednesday show that if you're missing out on the Wednesday show, you are in fact missing out. It's it's real good. Uh, it's real good. Yeah, it's real fun. Battle it's, game, it's turned into a, a, yes, ton of, angle, a ton of fun. Yeah, you name it. Yeah. You name it, it's there. And em- Embargo uh, ending coming up chats about The Last of Us Part 1, um, which is the PlayStation 5 remake of The Last of Us. And... I think my my Twitter review of it was it is the best version of one of my all time favorite games, and it's it's the type of game that for me replaying it after spending so much time with part two that the events of part one and I, I won't spoil anything for folks who haven't played it yet, um, but the events of part one. Um, are even more emotional. Like, I think it very much works as a game. Like, I think they could have really, I mean, not entirely because of some things that happened, but I think it very much works as a game to play again or to revisit after you've played part two, because knowing the later journey and then seeing it happen has this, I think on Wednesday I said it was, you know, like Godfather two or heat Two, the novel where you like, you know some core events and then you get to see things that lead and create those core events. And it's just like, Oh, but with the last of us part one, you're not just seeing them. You're playing them. You know, again, that interactivity of video games and it is a stunning game. It, it blows my mind. What naughty dog was one able to do way back when on the PlayStation three, which is where this thing launched. Um, And I know it got a remaster on, on PlayStation four, but it is still that PlayStation three you know, in its bones, right? They didn't put in um, open areas. There's not a hub world that now you explore that's, you know, pulled from Last of Us 2 tech or anything like that. Like it is that that same basic game. Uh, but the amount of visual fidelity added to the characters, they went back to the original motion capture and, you know, got more realistic animations and facial expressions and, all of the stuff that went into that and, and the more realistic animations allow for a little bit different combat flow that wasn't present on the PlayStation 3. Um, it, it's weird where, again, I'm a huge fan of this franchise. Um, also, I should note, I hosted their official podcast, which also is in the game, which blew me away. As, as Speaking of like extras for the Kawabunga collection, you can... Uh, I'm, I'm, t- I'm technically in The Last of Us, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. So basically disregard everything Christian just said because uh, he's in the game. I'm in the – man, I sque- I didn't know that ahead of time. I, that was a, uh, a a review code surprise for me. Um, uh, so yes, not only am I a huge fan of this franchise, I got a review code for it, but I also bought 
the hundred dollar Firefly uh, edition of this game. Like that is the hundred, that is the hundred dollar uh, official podcast uh, version where yes. you yeah. load up the game and it just launches right into the official podcast. Uh, it just <laughs> to says pay extra like, for that, but <laughs> it just says we like you also, and I'm like I like you, and they're like we like you. Um, so take all of that with you know all of those grains of salt. Um, but I think if you know the types of games I like, there's what I'm saying is no surprise anyway. Um, but experiencing the game again after two, like it feels focused in its claustrophobia in a way that maybe playing it for the first time I wasn't aware of because it is more linear and you're constrained often in terms of the hallway or the narrow kill tunnel that you're going through. And seeing some of these environments rendered on the PlayStation 5, uh, they're, they're breathtaking. They are truly breathtaking. The only, I said this on Wednesday as well, the only nit is that it, it truly takes seeing them side by side for you, for me, to appreciate just how breathtaking the changes are because the game looked incredible in my memory. You know, <laughs> like yeah. but the, the only thing that this game, Last of Us Part 1 on PlayStation 5 is missing is it needs a button that you can push where it says like, no dog, it didn't look this good before. Here's what it used no to look No naughty like. dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you've been playing it too, right? I'm curious your thoughts. I have, yeah. Uh, I also got a code, um, which I was not expecting. But um, I did not play, replay the remaster uh, version. So it's been a long time since I played the first one again. Um, and, and, and side note, it's legit crazy that they're still selling the remaster, right? Because anybody that is hears that The Last of Us got revamped is going to go and like search for last of us remaster, right? They're not going to look for last of us part one. That feels like the oldest version of this thing, not the newest version. Not only that, the remaster I think is like still free with, uh, if you're a PlayStation plus, yeah. Or whatever version of PlayStation plus. Yeah. 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 Uh, It's, it, it, it is unnecessarily confusing. I love the, the symmetry of last of us part one and last of us part two. That is beautiful. Yes. But, at what cost of, of confusion to the end user? You know, people that aren't paying attention like we are, it feels like, yeah, if I'm if I'm if I haven't played The Last of Us and I want to get the shiny new version of this older game, I'm gonna be looking for Last of Us remastered, right? Like, oh, that popped up. Oh, oh, it's free for PlayStation Blood. Oh, sweet. I'll just play you want that the one. PS5 one. The PS5 one for your shiny PS5. That, yes, just, it is. It's just yes. unnecessarily confusing. But there you go. Um that was a side note. Anyway, so I, you know, I, I was like, oh, dude, I'm, I'm excited to, to see this on the PlayStation 5. And I actually will depart from you slightly and say, I think, you know, I, there is truth to this thing that you and I say often, which is, you know, our memory is, is always much better than the reality. Your, your brain no feels graphics it. better than how you remember it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's that, uh, that line from the old Paul Simon song, Kodachrome? You know, it's a, uh, uh, it won't match my sweet imagination, whatever. Um, no, no, no. The, continue, please continue. Everything the... looks better in black <laughs> and white. Anyway, um, <laughs> But I will say, having said that, which I think is still true, I think this version is legitimately impressive as a PlayStation 5 release. Like it, yes. it, it stands alongside 
you know, Horizon Forbidden West and and what you know, Returnal or whatever other game you want to say is gorgeous on the PlayStation Five. I think it. There is a part of me that goes, yeah, I this is legit gorgeous, and there's no part of me that thought the game ever looked like this. You know, it it does look <laughs> really good. Yes. That said, man, these. I I played through that beginning again. I was like, oh, I'd be so excited to play through the beginning. I remember the beginning being so – that opening sequence just being so riveting. And it is. But I also got to the end of it and I was like, I don't know if I can do this to myself right now. I just don't know if I can do this to myself right now. It is so relentlessly bleak, that game. And I know there's a certain animal that shows up at a certain point that gives you some hope. But then the sequel comes out and destroys all your hope. So I played that sequel recently. I remember how the hope got destroyed. So that that little ammo that comes out, eh, it's fleeting. Let's just put it that way. It's a fleeting sense of of hope. Um, it, it's just the world now to me is not a place where I want to put myself through these games anymore. Uh, it's so it's so dark. Um, and you know, and some even call it, you know, misery porn. It it it, it is. It's so so bleak uh, that I have a hard time just saying, "Hey, I love these games," because it it doesn't feel. Uh, it, it, the first time I played it, I knew it was dark, but it felt like the world wasn't quite as dark for me. Or maybe I just hadn't had kids yet, uh, and so I wasn't. I didn't care as much. <laughs> uh, but now, man, it's uh, it's hard to put myself through these games anymore, and I, I don't think I'm going to finish this one. Um, because of just how, how it makes me feel. Yeah. Chris, I'm curious, uh, along the lines of like remakes and remasters, Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff and I texted a little bit about this. We were like, well, Jeff basically said, stop it. You're burning, you're burning cast. Um, and I'm curious your take as someone who's very much a genre fan. We've chatted about comics and comic video games and comic multimedia as well, where I, I find it fascinating the space that video games live in where, you can have an ultra-realistic graphical fidelity game like The Last of Us was on PlayStation 3 or yep. Horizon is now on PlayStation 5. And then 10 years later, that is very dated. So you can have that same experience given to you again with pretty much just way better graphics right. and kind of breathe new life into it. And in other media... That doesn't really happen. Maybe in comics, you get like a like Alex Ross is doing There's all those kinds of number ones every two or three years. But yeah, but do they yeah. rejudge them or like is that is it? It's, it feels different than like the 4K transfer of oh, sure. the Transformers movie. And I'm I'm curious, kind of your thoughts on like what you know the best version of these things are. Is it the version if it's striving for realism is the best version, the version that's newest and shiniest and prettiest, or is the best version what it was as someone who dabbles in collecting. And that's what the thing was when it came out. Right. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I would say it's, it's a very personal thing in a, in a lot of cases, but for, for me, I just to use a recent example. Um, I really liked Pac-Man world when it came out. But I have no desire to play the the new repack or whatever they're calling it, uh, just because you know I've, I've, I feel like I've been there and done that. But at the same time, it's still a good game, and there's a lot of new gamers in the past twenty years 
And, you know, maybe they're able to discover that game uh, this way. And, you know, if I did actually pick it up, I might actually really get into it again. There's just so much new stuff to deal with. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it's yeah. hard to keep up. But I, I don't think it's a bad thing. A lot of people seem to think it's it's a bad thing that there's all these remakes and remasters and stuff. As long as there's people who want them and the market suggests there is, yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's not a bad. It's a it's a reprint. You know, going back to comics, you know, way before we had digital comics and and even before trade paperbacks, you know, they would do reprints, right? Like, I'm sure Amazing Fantasy 15's been reprinted thirty times at least, right? Um, so it's it's kind of like that a little bit. You're, you the the old stuff that was uh, great in, in its time is, is updated for a new audience. And in cases like Final Fantasy VII, you know, it's way updated. It's a whole new game, basically. You usually get that sick new cover on there, too, you know? Reprints. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I... I <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing like a lot of people seem to these days. I think the thing with Last of Us in particular is just how back to back the remaster and it is an exception. It it does feel, and and Christian, the the big thing we haven't talked, uh, talked about because you and I both got codes is it's $70. I also bought the more expensive one though. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, $70 is the big question. And, and I, I think that's not an answer that we can give to people because it, you know, it's all relative to, you know, your financial situation, uh, any ones, but it, it does seem to be a pretty extreme when you look at something like Cowbunga Collection. You know, it's got this like it's got what how many dozens of games on it for a, a less than top tier price. It 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 feels like uh, you know it's, it's surprising that this is a top tier price. Yeah, it's hard. Again, very biased. I am very. I get it, dear listener. I am very biased. But nothing about The Last of Us Part One screams not full effort except for the fact that the story and you know the the bones of the game already exist like it doesn't feel cheapened i didn't get to any part and be like oh that's bill like they're gonna pass that like they gave tess a full makeover but that's how that's how bill's gonna look like every inch of this game it it feels like a true labor of love and you know as big and beautiful as as any game and it's like if ratchet and clank is seventy dollars is why is this not, why does it, you know, no, it needs to be all original code, you know, like when it's like, well, Horizon used the same engine as before. So why <laughs> well, should that be a little silly? But I, I, I think that the, for me, the, the implication of that price point is that this is targeted to people that haven't played this before, because I think that the tacit messaging or Nintendo game, or it's a Nintendo game, but the tacit the tacit men, uh, messaging of remasters or remakes that come out lower than full price is: Hey, we understand you bought this already. Here's the game. It looks better, but we're not asking full price because we understand you bought this already. And I think when it's when you come out at a full price, it, it's more saying. This is for people that have never experienced this before. It feels like a fresh new release for you. You you're not doubling up. Maybe yeah, I'm reading I mean, into it too much, but I, I feel like that's the sort of tacit contract that they're that they're 
you know, come entering. Maybe. And that's certainly be the case for like all the Switch Wii U ports that didn't get this much love between them. You know, I, I think people put up with it Nintendo put up with it with Nintendo for a very long time, but I'm pretty sure Wind Waker HD, uh, Twilight Princess, Splatoon 2, Mario Kart 8, they got the deluxe versions, they got all the DLC tracks. Tropical Freeze was, was it like more expensive than the Wii U version? I think at the time it came out. I mean, again, Nintendo has always done what Nintendo is going to do, but it's not necessarily uncommon. I think for a lot of folks, this Last of Us one does feel extra odd again because it already had a zhuzh, yeah. even if it wasn't as big of a zhuzh, but right. that zhuzh is free. So it's like, how much better does this new one? And that, that remaster runs really well. It's not as if it's a bad way to play the game. So right. I think that's the hard part. If you have a PS5 and you're dying to play The Last of Us and you haven't played it, and you have that PlayStation Plus tier that gives it to you for free, I'd be hard-pressed yeah. not to say play it that way that is a wrinkle that is just baffling is literally there's a version of the game that looks pretty darn good that's free that's just weird anyway but yeah it is i mean it undeniably is gorgeous it undeniably is a an incredible game it undeniably is the best version of this incredible game that they've ever put out um but you know 70 dollars hard hard to swallow as in my opinion um I think it would people would be singing its praises at forty, you know, or whatever. Sure. But uh, what else is on your playlist, Christian? Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to a very old game, but it's Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, specifically nice. on the Game Boy Advance. Because going back to the Calabunga collection, you know, got me back into my love of brawlers again, and, and, and being away from home, I decided to pack my analog pocket and my copy of uh, Revenge of the Sith for GBA. It is such an incredible brawler that I think a lot of folks missed because the movie, you know, didn't set the world on fire for a lot of people, and it was kind of later in the GBA's um, lifespan. And it is a, a a brawler that plays through the events of of Episode Three, and you can choose either Anakin or Obi Wan, and they play differently; they have different moves. And what I find truly fascinating about it is maybe the first third of the game is you against droids and they're shooting at you constantly. Like a lot of brawlers have very limited projectile because you need to get close to them in order to, to, to fight them. And this game doesn't shy away from it. You have your lightsaber that can block things. And also if you time it right, repel laser blasts as a, as a lightsaber would, but you still have to close that distance to strike them and, and, and get in. And then you have force powers. It's really, really interesting. And I think had it come out now as like reskinned as something else, I think people would talk about it in the way that um, Shredder's Revenge just talked about in terms of adding new things to a stale genre where there's like upgrades. And then as you progress through the game, you start fighting other Jedis as execute order. You have to go kill all the Jedis is what it is. I was going to do a cool uh, Sith impression and realize I couldn't, I couldn't nail it. Um, you have to go fight and kill all the Jedis. And then you're, you're dueling with them. Like they can block your attacks and it's a very different approach than what you had against the droids. And then some of the boss battles are straight up duels, but in a brawler uh, setting where but you kind of get into this punch out style you have to memorize their attacks block high block low you can absorb their force uh, moves and then unleash your force moves on them uh, really gorgeous animation for this sprite style game 
And um, it's really, really awesome if you have a GBA or a way to play old GBA games. I can't recommend. Or um, DS. The, the DS version is the yes. same game with flight levels that aren't yes. as good. But yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it, it's really, really cool. And it's fun to revisit as, the, as brawlers are kind of you know getting a second or third wind again. I think it's one that deserves to be discussed up there with some of the best. There you go. That's uh, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith on the Game Boy Advance. Um, on my playlist, um, I have been playing a bunch of Circus Electrique. Uh, although I, I, I'm as everyone not, will be this week. Yes, indeed. Uh, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, whatever time <laughs> you decide to uh, pick it up, even Friday or the weekend, you know, go for it. Whenever, <laughs> whenever is um, best for you. I'm not technically allowed to talk about it, but I, I will. I just want to uh, give you more kudos, uh, Chris, on your particular uh, uh, contributions. Uh, I think I think the writing is is really fun. I mean, it's just Thank a you. blast. So, yeah, kudos. Uh, and um, completely unrelated, I will say, I really enjoy turn based uh, role playing games, uh, just in general. So. Tune in next week when I'll tell you more about what I think about uh, Circus Electrique, but uh, people should definitely keep it on their radar. Um, the other, you know, obviously played a, a bunch of Last of Us Part 1. We already talked about that. I, I want to talk about another uh, sort of indie game. It's in early access right now. Uh, I don't know how this came on my r- radar. I honestly don't remember how this came on my radar, but it's a game called Backpack Hero. And <laughs> the premise of this game, I think, is very brilliant. Uh, it takes that backpack management that we have all experienced in games like Resident Evil or numerous role-playing games. Uh, Diablo has it, uh, where you've got certain number of little slots, little, uh, little grid-based uh, nodes in your backpack and uh, more items then you can fit into there and you're trying to move things around to fit stuff in and you can't fit all one more. Oh, darn it. A dagger takes up two blocks and I only have one block left. I can only fit a ring in there or whatever. Uh, Everybody remembers that that's played any of those games. Backpack hero makes that the entire game, which might sound ridiculous and terrible, but I assure you it is, uh, it's actually very clever and very cleverly accomplished. It's a, uh, a a roguelite, which you know, uh, knowing me is already I'm already in. But um, the idea here is you're a little person going into the dungeon, and you've got a backpack, and everything that fits in your backpack, every, you know, everything you loot, you have to put in your backpack, and the things in your backpack only work left to right. So it's kind of hard to explain, but you basically, the the positioning of the thing in the backpack decides how it functions. So if you have, let's say a bow in your backpack, then to the right of it, whatever the arrow is that's in your backpack is what your bow shoots. And if you've got, um, if you've got armor pieces, then the, the armor below it has to stack correctly to give cool bonuses. And the the where you place the things in your backpack determines how they function and how well they help you. So it's all about stacking, restacking, sorting, moving things in or out of the backpack, deciding what you can carry forward and what you can't. And it's super clever. It's super clever on how it does it. It's it's a very um uh 
a very indie game. Uh, you know, the graphics aren't anything to write home about, very pixel-based. Uh, but the challenge is is there. You get, you know, farther deeper into the uh, into the dungeon, uh, face more and more enemies. Uh, you have to be smart about how you're stacking your backpack, the things that you're bringing with you. It gets really challenging. And then you get loot at the end of, uh, you know, each time you beat things. And often you are not allowed to, well, not, not allowed, but you can't fit everything that you loot into your backpack. So you have to make interesting decisions of what to leave behind, what to pull out of the backpack, what to try to stack in there. It, 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 it works it works it's a really clever premise that takes something that is kind of a throwaway a tedium aspect of other games and focuses the entire game around it and manages to uh, mine some fun uh, out of that thing so I, I i'm gonna keep an eye on this one i get again it's in early access and i think it's gonna get better and better as it uh as it approaches a a real release and the game is called backpack hero what do you think about that, Christian? Uh, do you ever, do you ever, do you like that kind of thing? Uh, moving inventory in your invent- in your uh, role playing games. Well, what I like is I, I like this the deconstruction of modes of games into their yeah. own game and finding yeah. the fun in that. Versus the alternative we've seen for so long is like, you know, you like this game. Well, this game is also this game, and this game is also this game. And it's not you get to do these things; it's you have to do all these things. Right, right. Um, and I really love these indie games, finding the fun of these other moments and highlighting them. I think it's, it's really, really cool. And I love the premise of this, of like, yeah, you, you got to be ready to go and <laughs> you got to make it work. It, it does feel like somebody challenged somebody. Like, I bet you can't make a ga- an entire game where that's the thing. And they're like, oh, yeah? Watch me. You know? I, I will don't be know. the backpack hero. <laughs> exactly. You know, I have, I have no proof that that happened, but it certainly feels like that happened. And kudos, it, it's 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 a really, uh, really brilliant thing because you know one of the things I love about, uh, for example, the the last few Assassin's Creed games is that it just decides that, and and I think Horizon does this too. It just decides that inventory uh management is boring and we're just not going to worry about it. you can just pick up as many things as you want uh, we don't care a uh, horizon is like if you pick up something and you don't have room for it we're going to put it in your stash magically don't ask how don't ask how it just happens it's it, it those games have just decided that that those restrictions that were previously a part of video games are no longer apply because they just aren't fun and here's a game that's like no 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 those restrictions are the fun it's everything in this game and I think that's kind of neat. So Backpack Hero, clever, clever game. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Chris Baker, thank you so much for being here, man. It's awesome to talk to you again. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tell folks where they can uh, keep up with you, your games and studios, and Circus Electrique. Yes. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter at at cbake76. Uh, you pretty much find links to anything related to me there in the bios and such. Uh, but uh, Zen Studios is at Zen underscore studios. You can even follow Circus Electric at Circus Electric without the U and E at the end. It's like electric. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, the game comes out Tuesday. It's on pretty much every platform right now that you can possibly have. So um really love to you know if you have feedback and stuff and you want to send it to me i I'd, I'd certainly appreciate that we we want to know what you guys think and uh really looking forward to that 
It's really, really cool. I urge people to e- even just take a look at some screenshots because it, it really is striking and very, very different. Really cool. Circus Electrique. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, my latest newsletter went out where I wrote about adaptations as we're seeing a flurry of them in the video game space. And I usually do like one to two a month. Um, and you can subscribe to those for free over at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. There's an archive that's available there too if you want to read some of the old ones. They are up there for your perusal. And then uh, Travels made it a little different, but I typically do video versions of them after the the newsletter one goes out that I post over on our Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash DLCpod is where you can find those. And if people want to get in touch with me, I'm on I'm on Twitter technically, but I'm not there much anymore. Um, really, it is on our Discord for this show, that awesome fan-run Discord. If you want to chat, hang out, that's usually where I am spending most of my time, talking playlist or in the general um, kind of news, stuff like that. It's a cool community, and uh, you know, I'm really proud of of the community, and not even the community that we've created, the community that have rallied around this show, and the community that has become something bigger and better and more amazing than you know, I certainly imagined when we started the show eight years ago. It's a really good group of people that are welcoming. Yeah, we, we genu- genuinely had very little to do with it. We we did not start the Discord. We did not start the subreddits. <laughs> the people did that of their own accord, and we are extremely, extremely grateful. They are kind, welcoming, and is a, a great place to chat games. And if you're looking, you know, to have that space, I, I highly encourage checking those out and, and getting in there. I know we talk about it at the top of the show. Um, but it bears mentioning again, it's just a, a really solid group of people and it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be there and be interacting with everybody. Indeed. Well said. If you want to contact me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Of course, uh, emailing us here is dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also get merch if you want to check out our awesome logo created by Corey Schmitz. Uh, you can find uh, mugs and T-shirts and all kinds of cool stuff at dlcswag.com. Special thanks to Jesse J. Anderson for setting that up for us. Uh, you can also listen to me talk about all kinds of other stuff on other shows, including movies and TV shows on the Filmcast, where you can find uh, on any, any platform that you get podcasts. Uh, I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, and I do a sports show called The Fan Controlled Show, all of those available on various platforms. Uh, You can probably just search for my name and they will come up. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Chris, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? First, I got to ask you, Jeff, when you said search for my name, I know you have kids. Was that in any way inspired by Blippy? Do you know Blippy? Oh, I, no. Blippy is uh, verboten in my house. We, okay. we are not allowed well, to watch Blippy. <laughs> he ends every show saying, search for my name, just like you did. And oh, no. Gave me this, uh, I don't know. Anyway, anyway. No, I can't say that anymore. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I don't know what it is about Blippy. It just rubs me really wrong. The fact that he like, like – licensed out to like another blip i don't know i just feel like oh, yeah there's like just, a second yeah just ripped off Wee herman that's that's all he did he just took Wee herman's shtick and then made billions of dollars with it 
Yeah. Wait, there's yeah, another well, Blippy? I don't want to spend too much time here, but also yeah. wait, <laughs> No, Blippy is not Blippy anymore. There's a different guy playing Blippy. There's two there's two two different two different guys playing Blippy. But yeah, yeah. um now that we've lost everybody. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Except for the parents. I think they probably know. Don't worry. We <laughs> lost everybody a long time ago. Fair enough. Eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, one of the cool things about uh, being part of uh, Embracer now for, for Zen is that um, I get, like, kind of free codes and stuff, not only for games, but also uh, Dark Horse comics. Ah, oh, nice. So, right now, I have every Dark Horse digital comic at my... Uh, disposal to it's it's totally free for me so i finally got around to reading something i've always wanted to ever since the turtles days actually and that's usagi yojimbo have you guys ever read oh yeah it's so good it is it's like if you just say the premise of a rabbit who's a samurai (laughs) and he goes on adventures it sounds kind of lame but it's it's really one of the best comics i've ever read uh and the same guy has done it every year since 1984. Yeah. It's uh, wild. <laughs> it's, it's amazing stuff. It's, it's absolutely consistent. You can pick it up anywhere and understand what's going on, which is in itself is an art. Uh, and you know, all the, all the stuff that dark horse published is on the website. Uh, it's actually now with IDW. So I've been reading those two. I've read the whole thing in just a matter of months, which is like, 5,000 pages or something like that. Wow. It's, it's a, a lot of samurai adventures and it, it inspired Ghost of Tsushima. They're actually on record as saying that uh, that particular comic was very influential. Even the character in the game, uh, Sakai is named after Stan Sakai, the creator of Usagi Yojimbo. So huh. if you haven't read Usagi Yojimbo, I highly recommend it and you can start anywhere. You know, it, and is it, is it available on where's, where's the best place to find a com- comicsology? Uh, well, or? uh, Dark Horse Digital. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, but yeah, Comixology. Actually, it's part of Comixology Unlimited, too. So mm. um, you, can, you can go there. I, I think uh, Dark Horse and IDW, a lot of those are there. Uh, I think actually a good place to start. Um, you know, the IDW has actually taken a lot of the old comics and colorized them. Um, so if, if you're interested, if maybe like a black and white comic sounds a little intimidating, I know it does to a lot of people. Um, check out the color classics that IEW has published over the past few years. And you'll get like the first few stories, which are like, you know, the absolute classic stuff uh, leading into even more classic stuff that the dark horse has, has published. And uh, you know, you can get these uh, dark horse saga books too, that are like really huge volumes that have just, I think it's like 600 pages each. Volume, wow. so. Um, so yeah, Usagi Yojimbo is my parting gift you all very very cool great great stuff uh, i read those in you know as a kid I, I i have not read them in ages but man i remember loving them as a kid yeah it's uh, still great yeah christian spicer what is your parting gift i think you can just start saying like christian what uh new album do you have for us this week and, mm-hmm. I'll, and then like once i'll be like it's actually not and then you'll be like but isn't it and i'll be like it is uh and this week is no different. <laughs> the new two-door cinema club album came out um, and I feel like Two Door Cinema Club had a a fairly large moment. Uh, I'm trying to think of that album. 2012, maybe that long ago, maybe 10 years ago, where you maybe heard it on like indie or alt channels and, and kind of festival circuity style music. Um, and they've certainly put out albums since that first one came out, and the remixes of it 
Um, but this new album is, I think, fantastic. And I think you're going to fire up two songs from it. I would recommend Wonderful Life and Millionaire are two of the songs that I would pick um, from the album itself. And the album is called Keep On Smiling. It's Tudor Cinema Club's new album available everywhere now. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, my parting gift is a novel that I just finished uh, not too long ago uh, that I thoroughly enjoyed. It's called The Black Tongue Thief, uh, and it is by uh, Christopher Buhlman. First time I'd read anything from Christopher Buhlman, but The Black Tongue Thief is uh, very much a fantasy uh, fantasy novel in the style of Dungeons & Dragons. In fact, it feels to me very much like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign uh, in that uh, people are sort of assemble and there are uh, various um, sort of overarching themes, but, but episodic kind of uh, challenges to overcome it. Reading it felt very much like a D and D campaign in, in a very good way. Um, but the coolest thing about it is that it's written from the first person perspective of a single character, the, uh, the titular black tongue thief, this, uh, this uh, rogue, this, this uh, small kind of uh, uh, not not too uh, noble rogue, a, a, a person who's there to just kind of steal what they can get and and uh, get away with what they can, and is part of a uh, a very nefarious uh, thieves guild. Um, the world building in this is very very cool, and the first person narration is awesome because you're inside the head of a character that very rarely gets the limelight in uh, fantasy stories is it's kind of the uh, you know, it's the, it's the little, uh, the little rogue that's always kind of around fantasy stories, but rarely gets to be the central character. Uh, and it, the, the wit and turns of phrase in this book are really sensational. I love how this character expresses itself and is, you know, it's always wry and, uh, uh, the way it you know the the way action sequences are described is is like oh, I gotta tell you about this oh man it, it's <laughs> it's it's really quite good uh, the black tongue thief is what it's called and it was a very quick read for me I enjoyed it it's only like I don't know three hundred fifty pages or less something like that uh, but uh, I think it pro I didn't I did not listen to it as a as an audiobook. I bet it's a fantastic audiobook if the reader's any good because it's all first person and fun and and uh you know written in vernacular and and slang and stuff it's great. All right, we also got a listener suggested parting gift. Uh this comes uh to us from Benton Olivares. Uh, uh Benton wrote, "I love the show. I've been listening to it for many years. I've got a suggestion for our audiobook lovers who want to devour audiobooks." but don't want to throw even more money at Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Libro.fm is an audiobook subscription service, an app that supports independent bookstores near you. For a monthly payment, you get one credit for an audiobook plus 30% off any other audiobooks not purchased with your monthly credit. So it's a lot like Audible, but it doesn't hurt your soul to use it. They don't have quite the vast, expansive library that Audible offers, since Audible is a veritable money horse, but I haven't had any issues with finding the books I want to listen to on their platform. Additional parting gift. I've been listening to a new book called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. It's about two video game designers and friends and how their relationship forms, frays, and flourishes over a 30-year time span to create video games. 
Hope this helps someone get through their week. Thank you, Benton. We really appreciate that. Uh, if you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you do that. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us tonight. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those uh, awesome bumpers. Thanks to our theme song writers. That's White Q, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Thanks to Chris Baker and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. And a huge thank you to our patrons who make this show possible. You can be one of them at patreon.com slash dlcpod. In particular, our hype train patrons get a shout out at the end of every episode. So I will do that right now. That's right. It is time to thank our hype train patrons. Like the one and only Hyperboy66. Churyukin. David F. Comedian Aaron Trahan. John Sisko. Curtis from Louisville. Relentless Rex. Michael S. Andy Joyce. Kyle Star. Anthony Pulas. Riley Knox. Dan Flanagan. Sasan. Rob Rickman. Adam Denby. Hank Patton. Victor Valenzuela. Jonathan Talbert. Chris Zacharias, Jeff Luxack, Will with one L. Harris, Mitchell S., Jonathan Putney, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mark Gowland, Malcolm King, Dan Palmino, Scott Hughes, Jenny, Nate, Ben, Kevin Brazel, Stu Oz, Zachary White, Jonathan Spiceman Forever Schleffer, Yip, Albert of the Stuff and Junk Show Podcast, Soren Silk, Spiceman Silent, Travis Jackson, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, Michael Stadler, Nick Strauss Klein, Josh Peake, Peter Olver, Jack, Christian Bravery, Taylor Wiggert, Octavian Ratsiu, and Jason Novak. Thank you to all of our Hype Train patrons for truly making this show possible. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>